I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. On today's episode, I have the great pleasure of chatting with David Sanchez, the lead vocalist of Havoc and the host of Riffs or Die podcast. If you have if you are a metal fan and you have not listened to Havoc, you are missing out. They are pretty kick ass. Unfortunately, during this episode or prior to the recording of this episode, my computer settings all reset. So my sound is horrible. I have worked on it for hours trying to get it to where it's at least half-assed listenable. It sounds like I'm on a two-way radio now, which is much better than it sounded originally. Um, The settings had increased the volume so much that it was just all distortion uh, in the beginning. So hopefully it's not too distracting for you and you're able to get through this episode because I really felt like this was a really good conversation and we will definitely be chatting again with David Sanchez. All right. But before we get into the show, go to ryanbunting.com for all your graphic design needs. ryanbunting.com ryanbunting.com for your graphic design needs he is the guy who has designed my logo and he designed the cover for my upcoming book so ryanbunting.com and as always thank you tom burton for the music here's the show all right i'm ready to rock all right man well i am here with david sanchez what's going on my brother Howdy do. I'm uh, doing all right. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, man. It's a it's a nasty, cloudy day out here in bumfucked Egypt, Arkansas. And uh, yeah, it's nice. Loving it. How's the, uh, the state income tax in Arkansas? I don't know. I don't live here. I live in Texas. Ah, okay. Well, that <laughs> answers my question. <laughs> if you don't like paying state income tax yeah yeah and uh, i do like i do like the fact that uh governor abbott at least gives lip service to property rights so that's that's nice it, it, how so oh i mean it's almost every year he gives a speech in front of the state legislature saying we need to lower property taxes because uh, the citizens of texas aren't renting their property from the government That's good. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, I was I was actually talking uh, the last I just recorded an episode this morning with Buck Johnson and um, we were talking about Texas secession and this uh, Texas referendum that's hitting the state legislature. And uh, I was, we were we were discussing that a little bit. And, you know, it's been seems like almost every year the property taxes in Texas drop a little bit. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, so it's not too, it's not horrible there. It's, uh, it, there's a lot worse places to be. Yeah, for sure. One of my, uh, bu- 
one of my good buddies, the guy who designed my logo, actually, um, he he fled New Jersey because of the property taxes and shit. Right. So, uh, which part of Texas do you reside in? If you don't I, want to say that's that's fair. Oh no, it's fine. I live in southeast Texas. Uh, I live east of Beaumont, in between Beaumont and Lake Charles, Louisiana. What's the biggest city that it's closest to? Uh, well, Houston is two hours west of me. Okay. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Right on. We're down in that rainy, nasty section. I live in the swamp. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I stayed in Houston for twenty some odd years. So yeah, it's pretty. Pretty gross down there. Sometimes you get those hurricanes tearing us up. Yeah, and the summertime is rough. The bugs and the humidity. Mm-hmm. A brutal place to live. It is. Especially before air conditioning and, uh, you know, all the amenities that we have, refrigeration, air conditioning, all that kind of shit. I always trip on that, how people lived in some of the places where people reside today. Mm -hmm. How the fuck did some of these people rough it 200 years ago in some of these places? You know, it's it's a trip, you know, when a white man showed up on this continent, there was people living right there in New York and Virginia and uh, Massachusetts area, all those places in wintertime in those places is rough. The East coast winters are super brutal. And to think that people were getting along just fine enough without uh, heaters, without all kinds of things that we take for granted. And it wasn't very long ago in the grand scope of things. And I always think about that how lucky we are to live when and where we do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was a different breed of human being. I mean, those, the, that was just, those people were exceptionally tough. You had to be, otherwise mm. you won't survive. Yeah. And it makes you wonder too, you look around at uh, the way people act nowadays and you're like, you're the best that 4 million years of evolution could give us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've seen the movie Idiocracy, right? Yes. Yeah, we're yeah, living. We're, we're yeah, we're living somewhere. I just said this on a another podcast that I did earlier this week, but I feel like we're living somewhere in between idiocracy, nineteen eighty four, Brave New World, and uh, like the Truman Show or Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, man. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It is, it is nuts. I always, I always, I, I like that. There's that meme that goes around, and it has like uh, Fahrenheit four five one, nineteen eighty four, uh, Brave New World, Idiocracy, and all these other dystopian movies, and it just right in the middle. You are here. Yeah, you know? the Venn diagram. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I like. Yeah, that's that's us. That's where we're at right now. But hey, man, what, the reason I asked you on the show and. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm a I'm a metalhead from a long way back, and uh, one of my favorite bands is uh, Down, which was a. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Down, but it yeah, was uh, yeah, Phil Anselmo and Jimmy Bauer, um, Kirk Weinstein, and all them guys, Pepper Keenan, and uh, so that's kind of like one of my favorite bands. So I'm really into that Doom Sludge style, and. I was peripherally aware of Havoc. 
like I knew y'all existed. I'd heard some of your stuff and I'd be like, yeah, that's a badass band. They're, they're pretty cool. But I never was really a big fan. But one of my listeners got in touch with me. Is like, you have to listen to this song in the intro. And I was like, all right. So he sent me Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death. I think it was live in 2016. And you, you gave this amazing introduction going into the song, talking about, talking about freedom and liberty and, you know, how corrupt the politicians are and all that. What it's rare to find a musician nowadays that, that is of that Liberty mindset. How, how is that working for you in the music scene? Um, well, I mean, someone must be resonating with it because our band gets bigger every year. So there's obviously somebody connecting with that, but a lot of people like to label us a political band. And I often find myself kind of correcting people because I don't think we are a political band. I think we are more of an apolitical band. We are not political. We are just calling out, uh, you know, shit that we see. We're not uh, trying to say, hey, you need to vote for the Democrats or you need to vote for Republicans. We're neither of those things. We're anti-political. We are lyrically, I'm interested in the truth and I'm interested in liberty and freedom because uh, those are things that both sides can get behind. And anytime I go on a rant on stage like I did in the video you're talking about, um, I'm just coming from a completely neutral point of view that I think people of both sides of the political spectrum can get behind unless they are totally into tyranny and totally into um, being oppressed. So, (laughs) yeah, I think it is rare to hear things like that because often when bands do get, you know, quote, political, I feel like they're trying to shove their ideology down your throat with their own partisan slant to it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming at you from a leftist point of view mm-hmm. or they're coming at you from a very uh, conservative point of view. And I don't, I don't do it like that. I come at it from like almost an anarchist point of view. Like we should be free to govern ourselves and make our own decisions. And these people that uh, kick up their, their heels on, on government desks and offices making the rules for everybody, um, they don't seem to be interested in people having maximum liberty and people being able to govern themselves. Um, and I am adamantly and vehemently against that. I think that we are autonomous beings and that is the natural order of things. We are not supposed to be oppressed. We are supposed to be free. That's why everybody hates paying taxes. That's why everybody uh, doesn't like victimless crime laws. Um, You know, like if someone likes to smoke weed, but they don't drink and then government says that person should be locked up in a cage. Well, that is just completely asinine because there's no victim in, in that crime. Um, 
man, I just, uh, I'm, I'm just very pro liberty, pro freedom, pro autonomy, and completely against government flexing its muscle in your personal life. My, my uh, political views are basically, as long as you're not infringing on the rights of others, you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We're being a dick, as you said. You yes. Know. Yeah. And no, I agree with you. And, I, you know, I, this podcast, I, don't, I know you've listened to a few of my episodes. My podcast is designed around anarchy and that idea of autonomy. Um, I speak a lot about agorism and things of that nature, how you can. Harry Brown wrote a wonderful book years back called How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World. And that's kind of what my podcast is designed for, is, is helping people try to figure out how can they be free when all this other tyrannical bullshit is going on. And unfortunately, that leads you down paths where you're almost forced to talk about politics because you have to be aware of what's going on around you, the totalitarianism, the authoritarianism that's coming down the pike. And then, you know, you have to be aware of the segment of the population with Stockholm syndrome, who's going to, who are going to defend and the, the oppressors and work as useful idiots on their behalf. So that was really why I wanted to talk to you because like you said, whenever, whenever you hear like, and I'm, I'm just going to say their names because these people don't listen to me anyway. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't give a shit what I had to say about them. When you hear Rob Flynn release a song that's anti-gun and he's talking shit about anybody who's, who's pro 2A, or you hear, um, um, that, that there was that guy that just got arrested at the Capitol. Who's very, you know, right wing and very conservative. John yeah. Chief, yes. Thank you. And, and it's kind of like, Okay, yeah, but when I when I got into metal, it was about rebellion. It was about being, you know, outside of that status quo, away from all that bullshit. Like these people have nothing to say about us. We're here to be free, live our lives, do what the hell we want to do, and you know, not hurt anybody. And it there there was a song that that um it, it was um the Kingdom of Sorrow. I'm sorry, they took me. It, registering who i'm trying to talk about kingdom Sorrow released a song uh called from heroes to dust and as i've gotten older and i've been able to see and meet a few of uh the musicians that i grew up loving it's it's that type of deal like i've just kind of lost respect for so many people because they're so judgmental and they're so dead set in well our, my ideas should be ruling your life and you should be forced to live the way I think you should be forced to live. And I've just never been able to get behind that. And I have just found that so anti-metal that whenever I heard what you said, I was like, finally, somebody <laughs> fucking said it. You know, I see the dead Kennedys on Twitter praising Mitt Romney. I'm like, what the fuck is happening to this world? You know? <laughs> yeah. People get stuck in these, uh, like, feedback loops uh, of just things that go against what you would think they would be. <laughs> it, it's, it's so weird. Like people get so married to one side or the other politically mm -hmm. that there's no room for discourse in between. 
There's no room for discussion, no room for enlightenment. There's no room for, you know, having a debate. It's just, if you don't agree with me, fuck you, I'm not changing my mind. And then, you know, that creates division. Right. This is all completely a psyop. It's all completely contrived and designed this way. The Mm -hmm. tactic of divide and conquer sadly still works. And um, the longer that they, the the people that pull the level levers of power, the longer that they can keep us, I'm just going to talk about America, but the longer that the people who hold the power can have Americans squabbling with their neighbors instead of realizing that we have more in common with each other and we have different, the longer they can keep that up and keep the division going, they keep fucking getting away with murder. Mm-hmm. The last thing that they want is for people to find common ground and then attack their common enemy. Because once that happens, it's game over. We outnumber the people that are running the show, uh, you know, politically and governmentally. We outnumber them tens of thousands to one. I believe that. Mm-hmm. If, if people could get along on our commonalities instead of focusing on our divisions, then we would see a lot of progress, uh, an entire takeover in a positive way that puts um, the power back in the people's hands. If there was some sort of a, a, a mental revolution first and people got along, there could be a second American revolution started and one in a week. Mm-hmm. If enough people were on the same page, like, yo, let's uh, end the Federal Reserve. Hey, do you hate taxes? Fuck yeah, I hate taxes. Hey, well, I'm a Trump supporter. Well, I'm a Biden supporter. Yeah, but we both hate taxes, right? Yeah, right. So let's get together and figure out how to fuck over the IRS and the Federal Reserve. Let's end that shit. That would make a huge, huge impact on the world. But everyone is so hyper-focused on the negatives and the things that divide us instead of focusing on the things that we all have in common. Good luck finding me anyone that loves paying taxes. Right. That is a huge thing that everyone can agree sucks that we have to do. Yeah, well, fuck you to that. Um, <laughs> what could they do about it? It's really funny. You know, you bring up taxes, and this is something I was talking to my wife about the other day. And I was like, think about this. I was like, you have friends that are Trump supporters. You have friends that are Biden supporters. They hate each other, and they keep arguing against each other. And what they're really arguing is whether or not the government gets to steal 35% of your fucking money or 39% of your fucking money. It's not a fucking choice, right? Yeah, it's the illusion of choice. Um, What we have in this country... The, the Democrat Party and the Republican Party, it's two heads of the same snake, two wings of the same bird. I look at it this way, that the political spectrum is like a circle. And if you go far enough out to either side, you wind up at the same asshole that wants to take your rights away. So um, <laughs> we have so much common ground. And I think most people are in the middle somewhere in between the two extremes. So we do have a lot that binds us and we can all agree on and get along with, but the media controls the mind who controls the media controls the mind. And the media is constantly pumping 
for people to hate their neighbor instead of, hey, let's all get along with each other on one thing and change this country like one step at a time. It's always constant division, division, division. Mm -hmm. We're divided by uh, gender. We're divided by race. We're divided by religion. We're divided by political identity. We're divided by which sports teams people like. We're divided by what kind of music people are into. We're divided by people that have degrees and people that dropped out of college or never went. We're divided by, uh, you know, rich and poor. So many things that we can just go on and on and on that divide us. But there are some things that unite us that supersede all of those divisive things. For instance, paying taxes. Nobody fucking likes paying taxes. We can all get behind something like that. Imagine what would happen. You know, people that pay taxes in this country got about 330 million Americans. The amount of those people that have to pay taxes is probably what at least 200 million. So what the fuck would the government do? The federal government, IRS, Federal Reserve, what the fuck would they do if 150 million people just didn't fucking pay their taxes all in the same year? What could they do? They can't lock up 150 million people. You can't put half of the country in prison. What would they do? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've often said the same thing. I mean, they're not going to, they can't come after, they can't even come after, you know, 10% of the population, let alone half the population. They just, yes. they don't have the power. They don't have the, well, and they, they wouldn't be able to get the public will behind them. The political will would not be there. To See, and this is what I always say. You have these, these people that are accelerationist or, or, or like to see the violence in the streets or like to see what happened on January 6th. And I thought it was kind of funny, but I'm like, but that it was for different reasons. You see these war criminals cowering under a desk, you know, these blood soaked monsters that have been killing people overseas for 30 fucking years and see nothing wrong with it cowering under a desk because a bunch of unarmed people walk into the Capitol. It was kind of funny to me. I'm like, they kind of deserve to have the shit scared out of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I did love that aspect of it. The fact that politicians were scared. Good. They should be afraid of the fucking people that they're making decisions for. Exactly. Exactly. It was Jefferson that said, you know, when when a people fears the government, you have tyranny. When a government fears the people, you have liberty. Exactly. I I end that song that you were talking about. Give me liberty or give me death on the studio version of that song. It ends. The song ends. And I say that quote. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I haven't listened to the studio version yet, but I will listen to it. But uh, yeah, so, so, so I look at things like that and I'm like, okay, like violence, people are not going to get behind violence. They're just not. If you go and you, you go after these people violently, they're not going to get after it. But if you have a situation like the Boogaloo Boys marching lockstep with the Black Panthers, you know, in front of a Capitol building saying, you're not going to take our guns. We're not going to obey you. You can't do shit about it. Then, you know, and it's all done peacefully. Ooh, they look scary because they're carrying, you know, AR-15s. Uh, whatever. Nobody's gotten killed at any of those marches. 
None of the, the only people, the only time you see people killed in these protests or these riots are when there's not armed people there to protect them, you know? So when you yeah, have gun, the, gun free zones are uh, <laughs> criminal uh, havens. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that, that's, you know, one of my one of the guys I follow on Twitter, he, he says that all the time. He says the Constitution is the conservative version of a gun free uh, zone sign. <laughs> you know it's like yeah well kind of you know it's like you think this piece of paper is going to save you but that's not what's going to save you what's going to save you is you claiming your autonomy and like you said us, us coming together under the ideas of liberty and 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 joining forces together us versus them and despite our differences because the differences in the long run don't matter i don't want to tell you how to live your life exactly exactly yeah like i said the the things that we have in common with each other far outweigh all the divisions. The divisions are small, you know, they're fractional, but the things we hold in common are humongous. We're all human beings. We all just want to live a life, uh, have a purpose, have a roof over our head, clean water, food to eat, friends, family. That's pretty basic. That's what pretty much everybody would like. Mm -hmm. You know, we can all get along on that stuff. But, uh, man, the media has people just completely at each other's throats um, over nonsense. And it's it's silly to me. And it's something that I try to change. However small of a dent I can make, that's what I try to do in my lyrics is to try to maybe snap someone out of their television stupor, Mm -hmm. snap someone out of the the conditioning and the programming to maybe you start seeing things in a in a different way because i don't want to sing about the devil i don't want to sing about uh murder and and um you know uh, <laughs> magic and shit like that mm-hmm. there's plenty of bands doing that You're right I don't want to do that. That's not the the message I want to get out into the world. And that's not what's kicking around in my brain. Right. I, the lyrics in Havoc songs are very uh, personal to me. They mean something to me. Maybe not so much on our very, very early material. I was a teenager then. I didn't have a whole lot to say. But now that I'm older and wiser, the, the lyrics are, I try to be thoughtful and not just... Uh, spitting bullshit out but i I want to uh have the lyrics be read by someone even if they don't listen to our music maybe they can read the lyrics and and be inspired to have a new idea or a a new perspective yeah well i know y'all are making a difference i was actually uh my wife's from south africa and one of her best friends i was chatting with him the other day about about y'all's music and he's he's he plays music in south africa and um he's he's seen y'all i think he saw y'all at a festival in in europe at one of the festivals i don't remember which one but he was telling me that uh he was like yeah those guys get better every year he's like those guys are awesome they get better every year and i think that's really important because you know andrew breitbart had a had a saying and he said uh politics is downstream from culture and the fact that you are inserting 
these lyrics and these ideas into the culture, you're, you're actually fighting a war that maybe you don't even do on a conscious level. You're engaged in a battle against the the culture the dominant culture of the united states at the moment which is very oppressive very authoritarian you know and so it's really refreshing and i think that's part of the reason i was so excited to talk to you about it because that 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 involvement in the culture is what the youth is going to hear that's what's going to make them think about these things it's not going to be their parents lecturing them you know that that's not going to work you know it's going to be them hearing the ideas and then experiencing those ideas through cultural relevance and it's going to make a difference in their lives so you're actually like front line really whenever it comes to the battle for freedom you know you have bands like yours um all that remains um, backwards, uh, Eric July's band, very relevant and involved in the cultural dynamic. And as y'all break through and y'all begin to make bigger names for yourselves, then then you'll start seeing, you know, like uh, we just saw Maj Ture, who runs the organization Black Guns Matter. We just saw him on the cover of a gun magazine. You know, that's that's amazing. His whole goal is to go into inner cities and and teach firearm safety to impoverished uh, individuals in the inner city and and tell them about their right to keep and bear arms so that they can defend themselves when the cops can't get there to help. You know, and that's just amazing that we got people like y'all out there doing these things. Well, I'm not doing anything uh, that grandiose, but I, I'm doing Trying to, trying to, you know, make the world a slightly better place in a way that I know how to do that. That's yeah. all I'm really doing. You know, I'm not helping people learn how to use firearms in inner cities and stuff. That's huge. That's really cool. Um, I'm having fun while I'm doing uh, what I do. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, every little bit helps, you know? Maybe uh, Havoc inspires some next generation metal band that's gonna be the next Slipknot. Maybe they're listening to Havoc lyrics today and it's gonna inspire them to, to write things like that, you know? It's kind of like, uh, kind of like <laughs> in Wayne's World and that old like uh, detergent commercial. Mm -hmm. We're like, and they tell their friends and they tell their friends and they tell, you know, it right. just keeps branching out. Um, that's the goal is that hopefully the ideas catch on. And uh, it is interesting. And I've thought about it many times, how amazing it is that because I play in a rock and roll band and yell into a microphone, I've somehow woven my ideas of uh, liberty and freedom and thinking for yourself and questioning authority. I've woven those ideas into the social fabric, mm -hmm. even in a very small way uh, at that. It's still mind blowing to me that somehow I've like got thousands of people who hear me yell these lyrics right. into their ears. And uh, whether or not it goes in one ear and out the other, or it goes in and actually stays there, <clears throat> is irrelevant because at least somebody other than myself is hearing the idea. 
And for yeah. some people, the ideas will stick. And I think that's a positive because uh, the ideas of, of liberty and, and, and freedom and not being oppressed and keeping your autonomy, those are timeless, timeless positive things mm-hmm. that will never go out of style. Granted, you know, throughout history, there's times where in certain places, those things go out of style. Nazi Germany, freedom, liberty, independence. Yeah. It went out of style right there. But the overall arc of humankind is that those things are a constant. People desire autonomy and freedom and liberty and to not be oppressed. Right. Well, and that's part of that's part of my my you know statement, you know, or, or set goal with doing the podcast is we we saw what what happened in Nazi Germany, and how's the say go? Uh, when when good men you know keep their mouth shut or turn their uh, turn a blind eye, whatever you know. So my thing was the more oppressive I see things getting, the louder I'm going to speak out, right? And that was kind of like my idea with my podcast, and so that's what I see like people like you doing. You're like I don't care, I don't, I don't care what the ramifications are. I don't care how much I get demonized in the media. I don't care if Metal Injection wants to have me on and interview me. You know, yada yada yada. I'm inspiring a completely new group of people. And as, as you grow, and this was kind of my point in bringing up Maj Trey, as your brand grows, you're going to see more avenues, more doors open up. People are going to be approaching you and say, hey, look, man, I, I know I love your message. Your message is, is right on point with my brand. Would you be a spokesman? You know, and then you'll have that type of influence. And this is how you infiltrate culture. You know, when all people see are are Beyonce or um, Madonna, you know, talking about how great Joe Biden is or or how great government is or how great, you know, wokeism is or leftism or whatever. That's that's what's sinking into their head through the culture. So as you start to implement your style and begin to break through these barriers, you're going to see more and more change. And you'll see, like you said, more influential, more people influenced from your music, maybe people that are already doing it or already thinking they should be doing it that are afraid to come out and do it because they, you know, so many people have, they've had these polls about how many people are afraid to afraid to say what they mean, you know, and it was something like 80% of Republicans are afraid to say what they mean. And, you know, like 40 or 50% of Democrats are afraid to say, and people, and you're showing them like, no, no, you can just come out and say what you're thinking, you know? And I think that's really respectable. Uh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I think that uh, having the kinds of lyrics that we have, maybe, the thought has crossed my mind before. Maybe that's one of the things that's kept us back, uh, you know, even some years ago. Maybe that's one of the things that held us back because maybe uh, certain platforms didn't want to, to talk about us or have, the, have us in there. You need to listen to this band right now or whatever. We've never been like media darlings. The, the mainstream like metal press has never really like sunk their teeth into us and like pulled us up. Right. We've gotten some cool interviews and some cool features here and there. Absolutely. But we're, we've still not, we've never been on the cover of decibel or the cover of metal hammer or the cover of uh, revolver. 
Um, and I'm not saying that we need to be or that we even deserve it, but I'm just saying like the, the mainstream metal media doesn't like to talk about us generally. They, they've done it and I appreciate it. It's very cool when we do get featured like that, mm-hmm. but none of those uh, mainstream metal press avenues are pumping havoc all the time. Right. You know, we're not, uh, and, and it's crossed my mind that maybe that's because of the lyrical content. Maybe they're in cahoots somehow with this whole system and not wanting people to, uh, to, to hear the messages that are in our songs. Maybe, you know, that could just be some paranoid, uh, conspiracy theory, but the thought has crossed my mind. I don't, I'm not saying I fully believe that, but the thought has crossed my mind that perhaps Havoc would be bigger if I was talking about the devil or if I was talking about uh, heartbreak or if I was talking about something more mainstream. Right. Because our lyrics are fairly against the grain. To mm-hmm. me and to you, they're not against the grain. <laughs> we agree with uh, the ideas here, but uh, it, it's crossed my mind that perhaps Havoc would be bigger if we had lyrics about gun control, if we had yeah. lyrics about, uh, <laughs> you know, anti-Republican kind of rhetoric or whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, it is what it is. And the band, like I said, keeps getting bigger every year. So I'm not worried about it. It's a yeah. slow build, but you know, every long journey starts with the first step. Well, I remember a couple of years ago, Backwards released um, a studio album. This is and, and this is Eric July's band. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but okay. So Eric July, he, he's a he's a black metal vocalist, and he's really good. And uh, Backwards is pretty good. And they actually they topped the charts for uh, a few weeks right after the release. I mean, they were beating out Mastodon, you know, I mean, they were, they were up there and it was like, wow, this is cool. But see, Eric July's lyrics are all based off of Rothbardianism. So he's singing about like some pretty complex, like economic, like things and like it, it pretty intense lyrics whenever you really break down what he's talking about. And so every, every year, uh, I think it's metal injection, every um, black history month in February, they feature the top black metal musicians. Never once has he been listed, not one time. And he's like, it's absolutely about, you know, my political leanings and the what I talk about in my music and the way I approach life, you know? Because he's, he's, an, he's an, what he calls himself an anarcho-capitalist. And he's like, oh, screw this shit, you know? Um, so, and he, he refuses to back down. And I, you know, I don't know. Like you said, maybe it's a conspiracy theory, but it really appears that there's a concerted effort to promote people that follow that, you know, in lockstep with the mainstream ideas and to push aside anybody who's going against the grain, no matter how successful they may be at any given time. But you've never experienced that in person. Like you, you haven't dealt with that, like backstage or anything like that with any other bands where we're like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? Or nothing like that. Mm, no not really uh the 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 biggest criticism i've i've gotten and i completely understand it and and it's it's valid 
Um, the biggest criticism I get typically when it comes to lyrics is that I'm too on the nose. And uh, that's completely a valid argument to make, uh, that I'm too on the nose with the lyrics because it's not incredibly metaphorical. I'm pretty much just getting the point across direct, straight up, no sugar coating, no mystery left behind the message. And uh, that's something that I've taken criticism for and that's okay. But I write things very directly and intentionally simplified so that there is no confusion about what I'm talking about. There's no confusion on what the song is about. You listen to the lyrics and you're like, I get it. You don't have to break it down and get all super philosophical about what I'm talking about. You just understand the message immediately. I am that way because I feel like our time is short. We need to start turning the ship around. Otherwise we're fucking doomed. We're, we're going over the cliff, you know, and trying to get the herd to, to uh, make a, a right or a left turn away from the cliff's edge. And I feel like if I am too allegorical and too metaphorical within the lyrics, then my message will be lost and no one will understand uh, the point I'm trying to make. I only do that because I feel like our time is short. I feel like we really need to start turning the ship around. Otherwise we're going to get too far down this hole and we won't be able to get out of it. Right. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think there's a time and place for, you know, poetry, you know, <laughs> so to speak, uh, but, or, or being analogous. But if you're, if you're certain about your message, you're certain about, you know, you can, you can be on the nose and still write in a, in a very succinct, easily digestible style, you know? So I, I haven't listened to anything of yours where I was like, I was like, yeah, he probably could have said that a little bit different. It probably would have flowed a little bit better with the music or something. I'm, I, I, I've never thought that. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know why people would, would, would care so much about uh, what you being on point unless they're like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really like what you're saying. So maybe tone it down a little bit. So people don't understand you. I don't, I don't really get that. Yeah. And it's a criticism that I've gotten a handful of times, you know, in reviews of our music or uh, whatever. And, and that's completely okay. I, I'm okay with that. I fully admit I am incredibly on the nose on purpose. Right. Uh, but for everybody that's, that I've, for every time I've ever heard that I'm too on the nose, I've heard five times as many people say like, thank God you just say it straight and, uh, you know, right. just get the fucking point out. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think about the, the directness than, than criticism of it. So it, it, it's okay. It doesn't bother me. I mean, when I think of direct songs, like one of the first songs that pops into my head is like completely like in your face and direct. Uh, or I, I can think of two of them, very anti-war songs. Now you've got something to die for and war pigs. They're like right in your face. I've never heard anybody criticize the lyrics of either of those songs. Right. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it has to be about the message. Like that's all I can figure. It's like, they don't like what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and our, our stance is pretty simple. You know, we're, 
I, I can only speak for myself, really, because I, I write the majority of the lyrics and all of the lyrics on our last three, four records, mm -hmm. with the exception of like one line in one song, mm -hmm. which is actually the opening line of the song that you were introduced to us by. The oh, intro, okay. um, the first line, I did not write. Reese Scruggs, our lead guitar player, he wrote that. Uh, I, I had all the rest of the song written, but I was like, I can't figure out what the fuck to put here for the beginning. Mm -hmm. And he made the suggestion and we went with it because it's great. But he said, it starts off with cut the rotting branches of government. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good way. To so, go. It sounds like you two are on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's, that's a great line. Yeah. To come in, it's one of the one of the best intro lines I've heard in a long time. I was like, "Hell yeah!" Like, just get right to the point. <laughs> We're not fucking with you people. <laughs> but I loved that. But yeah, you. Uh, but other than other than those small criticisms in that way, you haven't had anybody refuse to tour with you or anything like that. Mm. I mean. We've tried to get bands to go out with us many times where they're unavailable. There's so many factors that go into whether a band can do a tour or not, you know, um, yeah. availability, the money situation, what time it is, if they're already going on tour, if someone's having a wedding, blah, blah, blah. It, a lot of things have to line up for a band to say, yes, we're going to do this tour. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a thousand factors that go, but you know, same thing with when we've gotten uh, offers or heard that we might get on a tour or whatever. That that happens. It doesn't happen more than it happens. Really? Now, yeah, yeah, and that happens all the time. Uh, Frank Bello from Anthrax told me forever ago when I was like eighteen. He said, "This business, this industry, is full of lies. It's an industry built on lies," is what he told me. Yeah. And I've come to learn all these years later that it's completely true. You hear so many things that are going to happen and then they don't pan out. And that's fine. That's just, it is what it is. It's completely okay. But it is, it is a fact that you can't really promise anything. I don't believe we're actually on any tours until we're playing the show on the first night. <laughs> not even on the trip there <laughs> no 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 not at all because early 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 on in Havoc's uh, career we had a show booked where we were opening for a band and we loaded in and we were ready to put our shit on stage as soon as their sound check was over mm -hmm. their sound check took forever and a half and then they just told us oh yeah there's not enough time now for you guys to play so pack up your shit and uh, you're, you're not playing tonight Damn. So I don't believe that we're actually on a tour until we're playing music on stage. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. See, stories like that are stories that people don't hear. Like, we, you know, like I've never heard of a band like traveling on tour and then not being able to play unless something happens. You know, it was it wasn't on tour. This one was just we had an opening slot on a local show for a a, a big oh, couple okay. of bands, and uh, yeah, the headliner just took forever and a half to sound check and then we just got booted from the bill after our gear was already all in the venue the drum set was set up ready to go the guitars were out the 
the amps were ready to go. Like we were ready to jump on stage and set up so that we could, you know, even just do a quick line check five minutes and then start playing whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got the boot and, and that was a, a big learning experience really early on. Like, Oh yeah. Shit doesn't always <laughs> sure. uh, work out. Even when you think you're playing tonight, it's not always the case. There's you know, anything could happen. Well, we're talking about touring. So let's, uh, let's talk about last year. Uh, how did, uh, how did, all the lockdowns and everything affect y'all. Uh, obviously, y'all probably weren't able to play any shows. No. I, know, I know most bands, yeah, I was supposed to go see um, Lamb of God with Megadeth uh, in Dallas and hang out with a buddy of mine and, you know, last summer, and it, it got canceled. So how did that affect y'all? Well, as you can imagine, it took all of our options to tour completely off the table. Mm-hmm. All of our opportunities to go out and play music um, and to make money and travel and just do the whole thing, like all of our prospects, for, all of our plans for the entire year just evaporate. Mm-hmm. You know, at first it was like, oh, this might last a little while. Let's pull this first thing off of the table. And then 15 days to slow the spread. The What's that? I said 15 days to slow the spread. Yeah. <laughs> road and then we find ourselves you know two months later oh sorry the next thing's canceled and then that just keep keeps happening yeah. even even right now it keeps happening there's festivals in europe that are uh, already announcing they're supposed to happen this summer but they're already announcing some of them are going to be postponed right. until next year so are y'all looking at um like states like texas and florida that have opened up are y'all looking at possibly doing some stuff in these states this year just because there's nothing else y'all can do or is it, is it too costly to do just like little single, like little shows like that? Or, uh, no, it would be possible. You can tour Texas, dude. You can spend a whole fucking two, two weeks down there if you wanted to. There's yeah. a lot of towns in Texas. It's a huge state. Oh yeah. And, uh, it's not too far from Texas to Florida. It, it would be doable to make some sort of a, you know, Southern tour, but happening this year, I think that's possible, but I'm not sure it's probable, Right. but it's definitely a possibility. The thing that's going to be very, very challenging for bands to go on tour is venues. So many independent venues have closed their doors permanently because of the lockdown shit. Yeah. And more and more of them are going to keep closing down because even though restaurants can open back up bars, some bars can open back up and whatever the venues can't really open back up. Mm -hmm. So hopefully optimistically, you know, I really hope that some of these venues will stay open. Lots of them will stay open. I don't want more to close because if it comes down to, okay, a lot of bands are thinking about going on a Texas tour. Well, everybody's trying to go play in Texas and now there's half as many venues. Right. So it's going to be really hard to get a date booked because there might be 30 other bands trying to book a show on that same day. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's going to be a challenge for sure. But I don't know if that's a hurdle that we're going to try to, jump over this year or if we're going to do something like that next year, but I would love to go out and play some shows. Uh, the, the big thing for me and for our band specifically, just 
is we're all in different places. Uh, guitar players in Virginia, bass players in Tennessee. I live in Colorado, but I'm currently in Hawaii. Uh, the drummer lives in Colorado. We're all in different time zones right now. We're all in mm -hmm. different states. So getting together to rehearse is not very easy. It right. would be expensive and, uh, you know, it, it would be kind of a big deal to get everyone all together for, you know, uh, 10 days or whatever to rehearse and like really knock the cobwebs <laughs> off of things and tighten up the screws on all of our new music that we've never played live. Right. Cause we just had a new record come out in the middle of lockdown in May, May 1st, our new record came out. We <laughs> were on it. We haven't played any of those songs live. So if we were going to get together, and rehearse to go play a show, we can't afford to have it just be one show mm -hmm. or two shows. So a lot of people have asked if we're gonna do a live stream. I don't think that's gonna happen because if we're gonna spend all that time and all that money to get together and tighten up as, as a group and perform well, I don't wanna do that for one show. I wanna do that for 20 shows. Right. You know, it, it's just not, financially or um like just timing wise it's just not a good move to to do all of that for one event so it's unlikely that that we'll go do anything if it's just a, a couple shows here or there but if it turns out that we can line up a, a run where it's safe to to say yes and green light it with the assumption that it's not going to get canceled we can book a tour that's, you know, two full weeks or something. It's very possible that we would go out with the record. That'd be cool, man. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, you're a comedy fan. Uh, I remember seeing that in your profile, that you're a comedy yeah. fan. You know, what Bert Kreischer has been doing, He what he just started doing all through the lockdown was doing live comedy shows at drive-ins. Yes. So everybody's in their car and he's, uh, you know, up performing. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, so, very cool. You know, some of these guys have, have figured out ways to get creative and, and do that. Absolutely. Did, do you think it hurt your, your album uh, to release it and not be able to back it up with a tour? Sure. Yeah, for sure. We would be on a, on a better looking trajectory right now if we would have been able to go out on the road and play in front of people and, you know, be seen playing those songs live because there would have been promotion all over the internet from us and all the other bands we we're on tour with. Plus we'd get to be seen by new, new people. We'd have people going home from the show and telling their friends the next day, like, Oh man, you got to see this fucking band next time. Right. You got to right. listen to them, blah, blah, blah. It would have been a bigger growth for us mm -hmm. if we would have been able to get out on tour. But Right now, the band is doing better than it ever has, numbers-wise, on Spotify and, and all that kind of shit. So we're still on this big upswing of momentum. But I think it was definitely a detriment that we couldn't go on tour. Well, well uh, I'll make sure in the show notes that I'll put a link to y'all's album, to y'all's new album. Oh, yeah, we'll, that'd be we'll awesome. See, yeah, we'll see if we can't get you some more sales. Oh, yeah. yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, you know, because I, yeah, I, the reason I asked that is because Phil Labonte was was talking about all that remains pretty much has a full album written, and they were supposed to release it last year and then go on tour for it, and they decided to hold off, and so they haven't released it, and so I was just wondering if you felt like, and I, I have a buddy of mine 
I just saw it yesterday popped up on my screen. He's uh, in a band called Brutality in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. And he, they just released their album on YouTube. Like all the songs are on YouTube. And I'm like, why would you do that in the middle of all this shit? Like, I don't know if that's the smartest thing. It's cool to hear their new music. It's been like five years since they released something. So I was like, hell yeah. But at the same time, I was like, oh, I don't know if that was the best time to do it. You know? Well, the good news is a lot of people are on social media and on their computers and stuff more. So they might be able to catch it on their radar easier that you just put out a new record mm-hmm. and you know the the situation the conversation happened with us with our new record do we delay the release of this and we did have that conversation before it came out and essentially it came down to yes we can pull it off of the table and set it up for a release before we go on tour at a later date. Mm-hmm. If we do that, there's a gigantic question mark on that, and we don't know when we're going to be able to put it out. Right. It was either that, or we just stick with the plan we already have. Everything is already set up for the release day on May 1st, 2020. We can just go with that as planned, and everything's going to fall into line the way we already mapped it all out. Or we delay it, and then we don't know when the fuck it comes out. Right. So we decided, well, we already, we and our record label and everything already did all the legwork to, to send the ship off on May 1st, 2020. So we decided to just fucking stick with that. Better to have it out and, and people can listen to it. And then when we do finally get to go on tour, they'll be fucking like, foaming at the mouth to go and see those songs played live that's uh that's where we where we decided we should go with that because if we would have put the delay on it like you said all their remains uh pulled their their release date off of the table if we would have done that we might be in the same boat i might still be sitting on this record all these months later yeah and no one has heard it yet yeah that could have happened to us, but we uh, decided to put it out. And like I said, our, our numbers are better than they've ever been before. And I think that's largely due to our new record coming out and people sharing it with their friends and just uh, more people digging our tunes. So I don't know when we're going to be able to get back out on tour, hopefully sooner than later. But in hindsight, I think it wasn't the worst idea to just put our record out because we're, we're doing all right. Yeah. Well, well, and whenever you're whenever you're writing a record, whenever you're de- developing your your record, do you uh, are y'all kind of do you do it kind of like comedians do? Like you know, like Joe Rogan's always talking about, he tries to put out one special like every eighteen months. Are you like shooting for a specific amount of albums per you know five years or every couple of years or how how do y'all do that? Do y'all have a goal in mind? The longest break we've ever had between albums was between our third and fourth record. Our third record came out in 2013. The fourth one came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. There was a four-year period between albums there. Mm-hmm. That's the longest we've ever gone. And uh, normally, it winds up being two or three years between records. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
you know, you were talking about like people were asking if you were going to do a live stream. I think it was kind of, I think it's smart of you not to. And here's why there's something very disappointing about watching a live stream concert. <laughs> uh, last year down did their 25 year anniversary and they were, they were supposed to tour, but instead because of lockdowns, they did a live stream and yeah. It just, it wasn't the same thing. It wasn't the same vibe. Like I no, can never, watch, never I, I can watch a down live concert when there's a crowd and, and I'm like just the energy that's there compared. And it was almost like they were just kind of like going through the motion. It almost felt like a rehearsal. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I, I just don't like this, you know? And, and my wife was like, Oh, we should buy when such and such does a live stream concert. We should buy. I'm like, no, I'm not going to pay for it. I, I just can't. I can't pay for yeah. something that that I'm not getting any any enjoyment out of. Especially some of these bands that were charging the exact same amount of money to watch the live stream as I would have paid to go see them live. And I'm like, but it's not the same thing. You don't have the same expenses. Like, all, there's a lot a lot of different dynamics happening here. Why would you charge that that amount of money? Why are you going to charge me $35 to watch you on a live stream? You know, when I would pay $25 to go down to Numbers in Houston and watch you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a, another thing for us, uh, another reason why I'm not totally into the idea of doing a live stream is because live music is unlike anything else. People will never stop going to live concerts for this reason. You can't get that experience of a gigantic, powerful PA system shaking your entire skeleton. You can't do that at home. Right. Giant subwoofers and an entire room reverberating <laughs> with the vibrations. You literally feel the music. You literally go and you feel the band's uh, impact. Right. Now, you don't get that when you're listening on your laptop or your cell phone or your headphones or whatever. It's the number one reason people never stop going to concerts because it shakes your fucking skeleton. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful, special thing. And, you know, the combination of that on top of we just put out our new record the best versions of those songs are on that record we just put out. Mm -hmm. Why would we go and do a live stream where we're going to play versions of the song that are not as good as the recordings that are brand spanking new? If you want to hear the best version of that song, listen to the record. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would personally much rather wait to play in front of people than to do a live stream because, yeah. like you're saying, it, it's just it's deflating almost for a fan because even when it is a great one that's produced excellently and has cool lights and everything, it's still not as cool as actually being there for sure. There's no comparison. Nothing can, can nothing can touch what a live concert does. No yeah. record will ever touch that. Yeah. I mean, and there's been some pretty cool things going on last year. Like, um, two minutes to late night or uh, was doing, you know, some cool, like, like uh, lockdown where you'd have these people all on zoom playing together. And I was like, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. I mean, that takes a lot of talent, a lot of time to, you know, get all that down, you know, down pat, especially when you're separated by distances, you know, Lamb of God did that 
you know, the yeah. lockdown sessions, it was like 15 minutes. They played like four or five songs. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty cool, but it's just not the same. You know, right. I mean, I saw Lamb of God with uh, Silosis and um, Hell Yeah in 2013. And I told everybody, you got to see Lamb of God live. They're just amazing live. It's just that energy and everybody's feeding off of each other. That's just an amazing, that's just an amazing place to be, you know? Yep. So, yeah, I think there's there's definitely a letdown. Um, you can do things to, to make it entertaining and to make it fun, but it's never going to be the same. So, yep. but we're running close to an hour. I got, a, I, got, we're, I got like two more things. I just wanted to run by you, just kind of a couple of fun little questions for you, and then we, we can call it quits, all right? Ooh, all right, so if there's one band out there that you want to tour with, who is it? Metallica. Really? All right, cool. <laughs> I was thinking I want to see you with Cataclysm, but okay. We've played with Cataclysm uh, on festivals before. Yeah. For sure, the big one for me is Metallica. Metallica. Inspired me to even pick up a guitar in the first place. And who the fuck wouldn't want to open for Metallica? You True. see how big of a crowd they draw? <laughs> that would be the ultimate bucket list dream come true to play with Metallica. Even on a festival, I'd be fucking just so elated that we are on the same poster as yeah. that and uh you know people can say whatever they want about their newer records and i have my own thoughts on that too but it doesn't change it's those same exact guys that fucking wrote all the shit that everybody loves yes you know? um they're the biggest metal band that ever graced the planet and it's for a reason it's because their <laughs> old stuff is really fucking good yeah oh that one would be my my bucket list go-to dream yeah everything pre-black album was just killer everything pre-black album was killer and black album had some pretty fucking badass songs on it too anything, yeah. anything post-black album i'm sure on my age but i was just kind of like, eh, whatever <laughs> yeah, it's hit or miss I, I think on every record they've done there's definitely some cool moments but mm -hmm. It, none of them strike me as like the entire thing is just a masterpiece. Right. But it's fine. The, those guys, it's still those same people that, that wrote it, you know, yeah. that shit still came out of the mind of James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich and, and Kurt yeah. Hammond. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I don't know if anybody could, could ever write, you know, a better, four albums than Injustice for All, Master of Puppets, Ride the Lightning. You know, like these were fucking just amazing albums that were just one after another. And you're just like, you know, kill them all. It was just, you're like, God damn, these dudes are fucking awesome. <laughs> you know? and, and here's the craziest part. So Kill Em All came out, I believe, when Hetfield was 19 years old. Now that was in 1983. So the Black Album was 91. Mm -hmm. so that's a eight year gap he was 19 so plus eight years we're looking at he was 27 years old when the black album came out mm -hmm. those motherfuckers weren't even 30 years old and they were packing in stadiums selling them out and the fucking kings of the world yeah it's mind-blowing yeah. uh master puppets came out in 86 so, so that means hetfield had to be 25 24 when they were writing it mm -hmm. and that's insane. They were kids. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Master yeah. of Puppets. Like, that is oh, yeah. just an amazing album, you know? All right, so 
On tour, what is your favorite memory of all your tours that you've been on? I would say the most memorable thing that I will never forget is we played a show in Colombia. It was our very first time ever going to South America. And we played a festival called Rock Al Parque. And it's a free festival that the Colombian government pays for. It's a completely free rock festival. And we played a pretty damn good time slot. We, we played right when the daylight was turning into night. So mm -hmm. halfway through our set, it was dark. Right. And, uh, perfect time slot. And we played in front of like somewhere between 30 and 40,000 people. Wow. So we're on stage and I'm rocking out, like playing the riffs and I'm looking out occasionally. And when I look up, I can just see, Circle pit, circle pit, circle pit, circle pit, circle pit, circle. I can see like 10 circle pits happening at the same time. And uh, just little tornadoes of, of <laughs> madness. And just an ocean of bodies, just an ocean of people. And mm -hmm. the whole time we were on stage, it was so surreal. I was, I was just fucking completely in awe. Like, this is real? Like, we're really playing in front of this many people right now? What right. That was the most memorable thing uh, on a tour for me. Yeah. I, you know, that, that reminds me of like one of my favorite live videos of all time to watch. I was getting goosebumps while you were talking about that is watching uh, Pantera domination live in Moscow. Yeah. Yes. And all those fucking people. You're like, Jesus fucking <laughs> Christ. Man. That's exactly what I felt like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how I picture it. Man. Like you're just like, just in awe. It's, like, it's almost like there's got to be, you almost, I would say, wouldn't you have to switch to another gear just to be able to go through the motions? Like, and just not just stop and just be like, what the fuck is happening right now? Kind of. I, I will tell you, uh, I don't think I've ever discussed this on, on a podcast or an interview, but when we did that show, I noticed when I watched videos back of us playing on stage, one of the ways I dealt with my nervousness on stage at that show was I've said the word fuck way more than normal. I guess that was a way I was like shaking out the nerves on stage was dropping the F-bomb way too many times. But I remember before going on stage, I was, I never really get nervous before we play that show. I was a little nervous yeah. to go out there. Because that's a big deal playing in front of 30,000 plus people. Oh, yeah. So at that show, before we went on, I'm a little nervous. And so it's just like slamming waters just to make sure, like, make sure you're super hydrated because, like, you don't want your fucking voice to get dry. You don't want to, like, you know, have any problems. Be extremely well hydrated. Mm -hmm. Well, I did that. And I drank so much water that my vocals we're getting fucked up because my belly was too full. So that was something that I, I've learned from. And anytime I uh, go on stage before it, I am always watching my water intake, make sure I'm not so full of liquid when I got to go up there and yell for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so the, my ways of dealing, dealing with the nerves there was drinking water too much and uh, saying the word fuck way too much. 
All right, man. Well, give us all your plugs. I know you got your podcast, you got the band, obviously, and all that good jazz. So plug away. Yeah, if people want to look up Havoc, just make sure you spell it H-A-V-O-K. Uh, it's a big spiky logo. You can't miss it. H-A-V-O-K, Havoc. Our last record is called V or 5, however you want to say it. Maybe you're Roman. And if you would like to check out my podcast, it's called Riffs or Die. You can go to riffsordie.com and uh, all the links to the podcast are there. There's also some cool merch you can get in there as well. And on Instagram, same thing, Riffs or Die, or you can find Havoc on there at Havoc Band Official. And you can find me on Instagram at Havoc, or sorry, at David underscore Havoc. That's all my plugs. That's all I got. All right. Now I want everybody to go buy some of his merch, man. I don't care if you buy Riffs or Die. I don't care if you buy the Havoc album. We have a starving artist here who's been in lockdown for a year, and the guy's got to eat. That's right. I'm starving. <laughs> there's some really cool merch though in the the web store. Honestly, on ripsterdie.com, there's some there's some stuff in there that people listening to this right now that are into this podcast and the ideas of liberty and freedom uh, would really like. There's there's this uh, there's I don't know if you can see this sticker here. I think it's not illegal yet. Think it's not illegal yet. I have T-shirts of this, stickers of this, buttons of this, um, but there's some some merch like that that are aimed more at free thinkers, more so than metal fans. So check yeah. it out. More stuff to come in there. But thank you very very much for having me on, and and this was a lot of fun, and I'm really really happy to talk to like minded people. Oh yeah, man, I I really enjoyed it, man. I'm gonna shut down the recording right now. And choose well, it's a game that was made for you to lose. It doesn't really matter how many times, it's the same old worn out story, same old lines. There are one dirty fingers in hypocrisy, bragging on their feet of mediocrity again. Never really making any kind of change, but they keep on getting reelected, and I find that strange. And that's why I say fuck them, don't feed them, cause we don't even need them. I never celebrate the tyrants that have taken our freedoms. Yeah, I said fuck them, don't feed them, cause we don't even need them. I never celebrate the tyrants that have taken our freedoms. What's it going to take? Don't even need them, I never celebrate the
the turns that are taking our freedom. Don't even need them, I never celebrate the times that I take